tradition a lot of rabbis when people come and ask them advice uh, looking for wisdom they they tell stories and uh, you see that in Jesus you see Jesus telling stories and so today I want to begin with a story and then after the invitation is all over and before we go home uh, want to end with the with a story as well if the Holy Spirit leads us that direction it's Thanksgiving week and uh, Thanksgiving, as the name implies, is a time for Thanksgiving and being thankful. And as Christians, it's important to be thankful for what God has done uh, in our lives. And uh, if God's been good to you, say amen. And uh, I, hope, I hope as you say that, it's not just words, you know, affirming that, but in your mind, there are specific things you should be able to give thanks to God for. The problem uh, a lot of us face, I'm not going to say all of us, but I would say most of us, knowing most people in this room fairly well, one problem we face uh, in this society that we really battle with is uh, we sometimes confuse God's blessing with an abundance of things, an abundance of material things. And, and certainly, I mean, uh, 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 Material things can be a sign of God's blessing, and it's good to have them uh, at times. You know, God wants you to have that. But sometimes we equate everything with material blessing. And when we do that, uh, our expectations get way out of whack with what the Bible uh, actually teaches. And it can be hard for us as much as we have that, that abundance of things actually, uh, much like with small children, makes it actually hard for us to have the proper attitude of thanksgiving toward God because, because we begin to adopt what the psychologists or the teachers or moms have known for years, the entitlement mindset, that the more we get, the more we expect that we deserve that, whether we say that or not, we have that expectation, I deserve this. And so the story's told of a man who bumped into his friend, and his friend looked really sad and really upset. And the man said, why are you so upset? And his friend said, well, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, my, uh, three weeks ago, uh, my wife inherited $20,000. What? Why are you upset? Well, two weeks ago... I had a great uncle that I didn't even know about who passed away, and he left me $100,000. What is wrong with you? Why are you upset? Well, last week, last week, 
uh, at work, I got a massive bonus. I, I, I did a great engineering project, and they actually, it was such an amazing thing, made the company millions of dollars, that last week I got $100,000. Man, what is wrong with you? Why are you upset? Three weeks in a row, you've gotten all this cash. Well, the problem is this week I haven't gotten anything. I haven't gotten anything. The reality is, if we're not careful, we begin to approach God with this entitlement mindset of God is, has blessed us not just with things, but he's blessed us in so many ways that we begin to develop this mentality of, well, God, you owe it to me this week. You owe it to me today. You owe it to me this year. God, why Am I not getting what you owe me? So we head into Thanksgiving, this secular holiday that our society celebrates, uh, which is actually in some ways connected to the biblical uh, commands of Thanksgiving. I hope it's not just about the football and the turkey and even family's important, but I hope even beyond that, I hope for us as believers that we'll use this day when our society slows down a little bit to reject the entitlement mindset and actually embrace and think about the thanksgiving mindset that Jesus calls us to. Now last week I did, I looked through a number of passages. I thought, well, it's Thanksgiving. What are some Thanksgiving passages? And I read through a number of them and my mind kept going back to Luke chapter 17. So I want you to turn to Luke chapter 17 and go to verse 11. And I want to read about the one thankful leper the one thankful leper we can learn some things about thanksgiving and about jesus and what he's all about from this thankful leopard in the scriptures so turn to luke 17 and go to verse 11 and let's read about the thankful leper and then i want to read Two verses after the story of the leper, because theologically, the Holy Spirit has moved upon Luke, I think, to combine these two, these two stories that uh, may not be chronologically back-to-back, but theologically they are. So Luke 17, starting in verse 11. It came to pass as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off they lifted up their voices and said Jesus master have mercy on us and when he saw them he said unto them go show yourselves unto the priest and it came to pass as they went they were cleansed and one of them when he saw that he was healed turned back and with a loud voice glorified God when he saw that he was healed turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God. Fell down on his face at his feet. Falls down prostrate before Jesus, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were there not, or he asked, were there not ten cleansed? Were not ten made clean? But where are the nine? Where are the other nine? They are not found that returned, where they did not return to give glory to God, save this stranger. 
And he said unto him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. When he was demanded of the Pharisees, so then Luke, he wants us theologically to connect these two things. When he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God comes not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo, it is here, or lo, it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. As he entered a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Here are ten lepers who meet Jesus, and all ten of them are never the same. And that's a good description of every Christian, every follower of Christ is a person who has encountered Jesus. We do not encounter him physically today, but we have encountered him through his teaching in the Bible, through his Holy Spirit, through his body, the church that witnesses and praises him and is a light in this world. And those of us who have encountered Jesus through his body, through his teaching, through the Holy Spirit, we too, like these ten lepers, are never the same. If you are glad Jesus changes you, say amen. Like these lepers, we were once outcasts. And maybe today you are yet an outcast from the Lord God. Bound, as we sang in one of our songs, bound to death. Bound to that kingdom, that way, death. But then we had, or if you have not had, you may have, you can have, you will have, if you exercise faith. We have a life-changing encounter with Jesus. So maybe today you are still bound to sin and death. And you're bound to the Lord of those things, the devil. But Jesus calls you today, as he called these lepers, he calls us, he calls to change us. To leave this way of life, that way of life of sin, for a life of mercy and grace. Now here's the thing about leprosy. Leprosy caused a certain type of separation between the leper and the rest of society. Uh, Leprosy was not just a disease that you just went about your daily existence and your daily way of life living in some pain and some discomfort. It's much, the separation is much greater. A leper faced not only the pain of the disease that he had, this rotting of flesh, but there was also a social stigma and a shunning that went with having the disease. In fact, according to the law of Moses in the Bible, a leopard was an unclean thing. That meant they were barred from tabernacle and temple worship. They could not do the equivalent of what you've done today, which is gather with God's people and sing a cappella praise unto the Lord. They were barred from that, barred from tabernacle and temple worship. They could not live with their families. Numbers 5, 2, and 3 teach this. They were, in fact, forced to remove themselves from outside of the city. Only torn clothes could be worn by a leper. Clothes that had been rent and torn. Why? As a sign of extreme sorrow for what they were experiencing. Beyond that, uh, most often the faces of a leper apparently remained enclosed in, in a garment. They remained covered. The face remained covered as a leopard went about crying, unclean. 
whenever others came close. I did some research, and in lots of the Hebrew tradition, and in many places actually in the Middle East, the face was seen as revealing the most intimate reality of who you were. In the ancient Hebrew society, until someone truly saw your face, until they saw your face, they did not truly know you. So until they saw your face, until they could see it, they did not truly know you. So in the Old Testament commands the people of God to seek God's face. The command there is enjoining us and challenging us to seek God's presence. To know Him intimately as He knows you. In fact, the same Hebrew word for face. I did not know this until this week or if I knew it, I've forgotten it. The same Hebrew word for face is the same Hebrew word for presence. Face and presence mean the same thing. So a leper's face was concealed. True closeness, true confidence, true connection with others was always denied a leper. Isolated, exiled with a disease that was viewed as a sign of God's disapproval. Truly lepers were in so many ways truly lost. Look at verse 12 again. Look at this verse. As he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Afar off, that is the leper. And what the leper experienced is what the devil desires for all of us today. He desires all of us to be afar off from God. Leprosy would start small, but from that small start, it would spread bit by bit until the body was disfigured, until the corruption of flesh led to a dissolvement of the flesh. This is what the enemy desires, not just physically through pain and death, but spiritually and emotionally. Satan brings this gift of sin, this gift of rebellion towards God, and it is a gift of death that destroys not only the outer man, but the inner nature as well. Bit by piece, piece by piece, sin destroys us, and it puts us afar off from the presence of from the face of a holy God. Sin makes it impossible for any of us to stand in the pure light of the Lord. And yet God is a God of light. And the Bible says that we would rather, though, this is what's so sad, we would rather stay afar off in the darkness than be confronted with the light of God. Maybe that is you today. Bit by bit, piece by piece, worn away by sin. And yet, who among us? Who among you is not longed for release from sin and what it is doing to you? Like an alcoholic who desires release from the drink. The pill addict who desires to trash the pills in the container in the garbage. The sexually addicted piece by piece by what they have seen or engaged in, he or she is now separated from even themselves. Who is not long to leave that darkness for light? What young man or young woman plagued by anger or disappointment or insecurity or doubt has not also longed while they are afar off 
to draw near to something better. In fact, who among us who is afar from God has not also wanted what the lepers proclaimed in verse 13? How did they respond? Look at verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy. Have mercy on us. My friends, mercy is what Jesus gives. We can give a form of mercy, but only Jesus can give the thing in itself in all its completeness. Mercy, mercy, the sinner cries. And my friends, we sing and praise Jesus today because mercy is what he gives. Mercy. Mercy. Mercy, Master. Mercy on me. Mercy on us. Today you can experience the mercy of God. You can draw near to God, to others, to yourself, because Jesus longs to give this. And as we have already sang in that beautiful uh, new song that I don't know I'd heard, I heard before until this morning, we can draw near to God because Jesus longs to give Himself. He longs to give mercy and He came from heaven itself. He left the glory of God the Father's throne room to give you mercy. Afar off, to those afar off comes a God of mercy. But that's an amazing thing which makes the next statement so sad. What is so sad about these lepers is though uh, there are ten of them that are made whole, only one of them returns to thank Jesus. Only one gives glory to God. Look at verses 14 through 19 again. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. Right? And if you know the Mosaic Law, if you've, if you've read the Old Testament Law, if you, if you, if you were unclean like that, uh, if, if, if the disease went away or was healed, you had to go show yourself. And there was this process there to make that known. And so he says, Go show yourself unto the priests. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, by the way, remember, Luke writes Acts. You've been with us in Acts? And a big, a big thing that drives Acts is how God is bringing the Gentiles into the family of faith. Well, Luke is already, already in his gospel, letting us know that it didn't just happen when Paul went to preach, that Jesus himself, although Jesus said, and Jesus made this clear, he primarily came to deal with Israel, but already the grace of God is coming to people like me and you. If you're glad for that, say amen. So Luke, the writer of Acts, he wants us to know he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. The only hope these lepers had was Jesus. All their lives, all their pain, all the sadness, and whatever little pieces of joy they had known, it all came down to this one moment with Jesus. Meeting with the Master. This meeting with Jesus was enough. 
And meeting with Jesus today is still enough. If you need mercy from your past, your mistakes, your pride, your sin, if you need mercy right now, you will find that Jesus is enough. And as many have testified, He is more than enough. These lepers must exercise faith. He is enough, but they must exercise faith. Just as faith is required today to exit the darkness into the light. The faith to embrace the gift of grace. What did Jesus command the lepers to do? Verse 14, go show yourselves to the priest. Why in this case did Jesus not just say be healed? Well, this is, I think, dealing with them the way that he wanted them to express whether they were going to accept the gift that he was giving or not, this gift of mercy. You cannot earn it, but you must accept it. You must, you must embrace it by faith. In the Old Testament, we know of another leper, the Syrian leper Naaman, who by faith had to dip in the Jordan River. And if you know that story, what's so wonderful is at first Naaman didn't want to do it. He was upset and he was mad at the man of God for speaking the truth and he was going to leave and just go away. But one of his comrades said, no, no, don't do that. Don't make that choice. In our journeys of faith, God gives us people to point us, to help us, to show us. Oh, no, don't do that. Do this. But at the end of the day, although our friends can help us and your family can point you to Jesus, you must exercise faith. So ten lepers start a journey to the priest, yet once they are healed on the way from the ten, the ancient story says only one that was healed, turned back and glorified God. Only one came to Jesus. And this, my friends, on this week of Thanksgiving, this is to be the difference between the people of God and other people who are just going through this holiday. Here is the difference. Why just one? The clue is in verse 15. Go back and look at verse 15. Why just one? And one of them when he saw that he was healed. The Bible says that he saw he was healed. The Greek word there is the word edo, and edo means to know, to see, to perceive. You could also translate this, one of them perceived, saw beyond just the physicality and perceived what was going on. One saw, knew, perceived that he had been healed. Ten healed. Nine apparently do not perceive what has happened. They see the outer, but not the inner. One perceives beyond. One sees that he has been blessed. One perceives that on this day, God in this man, Jesus, was present with him. This one perceives that he has been in the presence of the king. That's theologically. Skip ahead. Theologically, why does Luke combine these two stories? And we'll, we'll get to that statement in a minute. Because one of them perceived beyond just the outer and realized that where Jesus was, there was God, and God deserved glory. Does he understand everything there is to know about Jesus? I doubt it. I doubt it. But he perceives beyond the others. He sees the mercy of God. God's ambassador, His Son, Jesus the Christ. 
There's an ancient claim in the ancient world when you study history. Maybe you remember this from history. Uh, and I can't remember the Latin for it, but it's basically, basically it means king equals kingdom, kingdom equals king. So when America broke loose from Britain, I mean the idea that you could have a nation not bound to a king, uh, I mean that was just, that was paradigm shattering, just shattered everything. And throughout the world as, as society began to shift from kings and kingdoms to, to more of how we know it, at least in the Western world. I mean, it was a big shift, and it was really traumatic for people because the idea that their nation was not connected to a person. Where the king is, there is the kingdom. And the leper, he doesn't know it all, but he perceives through what has happened to him. He sees beyond the others that in this act, God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, has shown up. If you're glad God shows up in unexpected ways, in unexpected places, say amen. He can show up today in the midst of his people's praise, the Bible says. Psalm 95, 6 through 9 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. That's what that guy did, didn't he? The text says he got prostrate before Jesus. I, well, let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Sometimes people say, uh, and maybe you've said this. I mean, I think the intent is good, but it's just not right. Sometimes people will say, uh, Jesus never called anybody or allowed anybody to worship him. Do that. It's like, no. Here's a guy that got prostrate and knelt down before Jesus. He didn't go around making people worship him, but Jesus absolutely welcomed. Uh, now, at times he had to warn people. Time's not right yet, so you got to do other things. But he welcomed this type of worship. Psalm says, Psalm 95, 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my work. He is our God. We are His people. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. What is different about the one leper? What must be different about us, the people of God, during this time of thanksgiving? It is that we perceive, we perceive that our blessings are connected to a king, and that king is Jesus. So Luke connects this story with the demands of the Pharisees. The Pharisees expect the kingdom to come with some change within the political or societal life of the nation, especially political. They, they were thinking physical realm, nation realm. If we can change the realm, the Romans no longer in charge, if we do that, then the kingdom of God will have arrived. And Jesus says, you've missed it. You've missed it. Look at verses 20. When he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God comes not with observation. Neither shall you say, Lo here or lo there. Observation with these eyes. The leper had the eyes that perceived. You're not going to see it with those eyes. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The presence of God was with the leper. And the leper realized that where the king is, there it is. 
And he's right there. And so this one who was not of Israel perceived that the king of glory, again, I'm not saying he understood at all, but he knew that God's presence is here and he glorified God and he praised him because he knew. Where is God? It's with this guy. It's with this man. And when he exercised that faith, that faith, the reign of Jesus was obvious in his heart. The Pharisees Pharisees keep saying, if we can get rid of this government, if we can bring in a new government, then the reign of the Lord will be here. No, my friends, Jesus has already shown up, and there is no government on this earth that can keep Jesus from reigning among his people. None. So this past week I saw uh, on our Facebook, talking about the the house church um, pastor that had been in prison. And he lives in a very different type world than I do. Very different set of circumstances. Doesn't matter to Jesus. Doesn't matter where the king is. There's where it's at. It's right there. And this leopard saw what these schooled in the law could not see and what they could not know and what they could not understand. You're looking for the kingdom? It's already here. It's here in Jesus. And Jesus says it's within you. But they can't know that because they're still walking in darkness. But a leper from Samaria, Luke, Luke points us toward he knows. And he worshiped Jesus as king. Do you truly perceive Jesus' blessings in your life? If you do, if you do, you will return again and again to the feet of Jesus and proclaim God's glory like this one with a heart of thankfulness for the mercy of God. And listen, my friends, when you come to the feet of Jesus, which, which that's part of what we do through hearing this word and singing these songs, corporately we come together, right? We come together and we worship Jesus together. And as we do this, let me tell you, or in your personal life, as you read the Bible, as you pray, maybe, maybe, maybe reading the Bible is tough for you, as you pray and commune with God. Listen, whatever way it's done biblically, that you come to Jesus, when we continue to come to Jesus' feet, What happens is we bow at those feet to worship Him and then we follow where He's going. This man realized something. He realized that he had been afar off, but it was Jesus that had brought him near. The Lord told the man to go to the priest, but He does not rebuke the man for first coming back. Why? Why doesn't Jesus rebuke him for just continuing to the priest like he told him? In fact, Jesus honors the choice. Why? Because this man realized that worship and obedience go together. And it's out of this heart of worship that he's then going to go and be obedient unto what Jesus has said. He perceives. It's clear in the New Testament The church gives glory to God in a world that does not. It worships Him and praises Him and will be obedient to Him. So what about you? What about you? You see, here's the thing. If you just engage in the obedience with no worship of thankfulness and praise, your obedience will soon just become a job, a chore, a burden. It will. All obedience with no worship, no praise, no thanksgiving. 
will make you most miserable among humans. This has been seen time and time again. Time and time again. And I could take you through a long line of history of groups or individuals or people that continue to hold on to certain things that are commanded, but they lost the worship. They lost the glory. They lost the sight of who Jesus is, and it made them just miserable, miserable creatures. This Thanksgiving, we need to perceive what Jesus has done. What Jesus has done for you is He has washed away your sin. He has washed away the power of sin. So we must reject the selfish spirit of entitlement of our age. And by faith, we must follow Jesus. We must perceive that all of our blessings come from Him. We must recognize today that there is only one who can give us mercy in all of its completeness, and that is Jesus. So sinner, I say to you today, you that are far off from God, He is here today willing and ready to grant mercy to you. But do you perceive, do you perceive that God is here through this word that's proclaiming His Son? Or will you stay in your darkness? If you perceive, then there is an act of faith An act of faith that must occur. He perceives and that naturally leads him to acting. He can't help but act because he has perceived the truth. Today Jesus wants to forgive you of your sin. But you must act on faith. What about you, church member? What about you, attender? What about you, believer? What about you? Do you worship Jesus only on Sunday? Do you honor Him only on Sunday? Or do you find yourself time and time again drawn back to this man, Jesus, this King of glory? Perceive this Thanksgiving season. Perceive who Jesus is and worship Him and honor Him. For there is only one answer to your alienation. There's only one answer to your pain. There's only one answer to your grief. And that is a new Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who gives sweet, sweet mercy. To those that have rebelled against God. If you are glad for the mercy of Jesus, say amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Ten lepers. Only one perceived, only one understood, and he's the Samaritan. A sinner, you say, I don't belong here today. I don't fit in here today. Not even really sure what I'm doing here today. You might be the only one that really perceives this morning, that really knows what God is saying to your heart. Today, today is the day to act on faith, to be cleansed and washed and made whole. Father God, I ask right now that you would take this message from Scripture and you would use it, Lord, to encourage hearts of thanksgiving, hearts that see Jesus during this season. Lord, help us to be like the one leper who glorified you and honored you. And Father God, if there is a sinner right now, Lord, I pray that they would respond in faith to your word. 
Lord, use this time, just as you use that time, use this time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.